Hello and welcome to the Hawkesbury Gazette's podcast for the February 13 edition. I'm Christina Pollard and I'm joined by my colleague Finn Coleman. Hello Finn, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. This is the second in our series of podcasts with 2019 state election candidates and today we're very pleased to welcome Liberal Party candidate Robin Preston. Hi Robin. Good morning, how are you? (laughs) Good, thank you. Let's get straight into it because we've got a, a long list of questions for you today. We've had a, a pretty good response to our, our Facebook um, shout out that we put to readers. So first of all, give us a little bit of background about yourself. Um, you were born in Western Sydney, you run a small business, you've been working with the government. Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I was born in Fairfield and I went to school there as well, primary and uh, high school. Uh, played netball there, got to know all the family and friends in the area. Uh, recently had a 45th reunion with school uh, friends as well. So I still keep in touch with my mates out that way. Um, I guess I've got a bit of a Western Suburbs twang about me and I'm pretty proud of that. Look, like it's not that. as bad as mine. It's honestly, <laughs> I think you could pick me from anywhere. So, <laughs> And um, I have, uh, I'm one of three. I've got two brothers, I'm in the middle, and both my brothers are tradies, so panel beaters and carpenters. So very handy very around handy the house and Absolutely. looking after cars when I was a, a girl growing up. Uh, and I guess we've got each other's back as brothers and, and sister. Um, so um, very blessed I have my mum um, who uh, raised us. My dad died when I was 17 and uh, she never remarried, so she said there was never anyone to take his place. And uh, she raised us as a single mum. Uh, We went to Catholic schools. She did without to put us through an education. And she's my rock and still here today. She's 90 this year. Oh, bless you. You can't go past a mum. Mum's always the best mate. Absolutely. And so um, I uh, have worked in a whole range of different areas. Very um, fortunate to have a, a pretty broad career. Uh, anything from uh, working... I used to have uh, a community radio program once. Well, see, this is why you're so you're speaking so well. Well, <laughs> look, it's about... Um, I like to get to know people. I like to talk to people and, and I like to listen. And that's taken me to a range of different types of roles, I suppose, but mostly connecting with people in my own small business. So I had a first impressions business. So I teach people about first impressions, how to walk, talk, eat and engage with people. Wow. Um, what, how, how do you get into that? That's... Uh, look, um, I wanted to have more time uh, with my children when they were growing up. So I, I started my own business at home. And I took that out to schools, um, to businesses, and it was a really interesting um, opportunity to, I guess, I've spent all my life listening and talking and being with people. So it was my way of sharing that advice and knowledge to get people more confident in themselves, in the way they present themselves to, you know, win jobs, to win interviews, to connect with people, to make relationships So it's a really important way to communicate with people. And first impressions, um, it happens once. If you stuff it up, it takes 21 further impressions to uh, negate that bad first impression. Wow, really? Yes. Look, it was an interesting uh, uh, area for me. And I've taken that sort of, uh, I guess, um, uh, philosophy uh, through different roles that I've had. So small business, I've worked in government and not-for-profit organisations, I was the um, manager for corporate sponsorship with um, the Royal Blind Society. I had a lot to do with uh, the Cancer Council New South Wales and I'm still connected with them on boards. Great organisation. So Um, charity um, and also uh, 11 years as a councillor with the Hillshire Council, so connecting with the community and and solving people's problems. That's, I guess, what I do. I find solutions for people's problems. And you have too had that that 
you know, chance to actually be a representative. So, and you know, know what I guess is expected of you as a local representative. Look, and having worked um, for Dominic Perrottet as well, I've actually got to know a lot about the community, what makes it tick, and what are the issues uh, in the area, and uh, and working with those um, good people out here in Hawkesbury. Absolutely. Well, so we, we, like I said before, we put a call out on our Facebook page for questions from readers. And again, the one question that came up, which came up as well for, for the other candidate we interviewed last week, was uh, where do you live? Do you live in the Hawkesbury electorate? I live in Richmond mm-hmm. and I moved here last year. Wonderful. So local, can Absolutely. confirm that you are living locally. Absolutely. Great. So what do you think you've learned during your time at, at Mr Perrottet's office? Uh, one of our readers, Kylie, wants to know what you think of Mr Perrottet's time in the Hawkesbury and if he made the right decision for the old town of Windsor. Oh, look, I think that's uh, a good line of questioning, actually. What have I learned? You know, people in Hawkesbury are very down-to-earth people. They'll tell you exactly what they think. And you would know that, Christina, from interviewing so many people over the the time you've been here. Mm. Um, There's a rawness and a real honesty about them, and I respect that in people. So when they come to, uh, for example, the office, to Dominic Perrottet's office, uh, it's no holes bars, it's what's bothering them and can you fix it? And so I like that. That's refreshing to, to know that they're there, they're telling me their problems and, you know, they challenge the office on how to, how to find a solution there. You know, I, I'll just give you an example. Um, when the corridors were announced through Hawkesbury, uh, there was a lot of grief, a lot of outcry, uh, emails, um, calls, people coming to the office, and we really saw what the electorate was feeling, and they were hurting. And uh, I'm very pleased that um, Dominic, as the member, was out there listening. He went out to community groups. He went to different parts of the electorate where it was impacted and came back and he actually delivered and removed all those corridors from Hawkesbury. So they're gone. I think that was a really good outcome for people. Um, I'm excited about the PCYC um, and we're probably going to talk about that a little further on but um, the youth in the area um, and being engaged and being mentored and being uh, cared for and appreciated, I think that's a really important thing that we have to address here. So uh, that's been listened to in the electorate and that's being delivered as well. So just a couple of examples of, of how you actually deliver to the community when you listen to them. All right, well, you just mentioned it, the PCYC Centre, and you thank Ms Perrottet for a number of things, including that, um, especially the $13 million that have been has been earmarked for the new centre. Um, give us an update. Where is it going and where will it be built? Look, and everyone's waiting anxiously in anticipation for that announcement. I can say that uh, the Hawkesbury Council and PCYC are, are working through the location and they've just it's a process they have to go through. We have to respect that, but um, they have identified a site. So I'm pretty excited, but I can't announce anything yet. Oh, I was going to say, um, can we? do we have a... I'd love to give you an exclusive, oh, but, but there's it. a process that has to go through. Sure. But it's moving forward and, and I'm... Um, our office is monitoring that very closely too because we want to make sure that that's delivered in, in, in a timely manner. You know, at the end of the day, um, this place here in Hawkesbury has five generations of locals and so there are kids out there that um, are either they're uh, not engaged, uh, they're bored or they just want to uh, have somewhere to go to, to find themselves and to be collectively together 
and do things. And I think this project, the PCYC project, is going to actually deliver on that. So pretty excited about it. I have to say watch this space, but it will be announced fairly soon. There's just negotiations going on that we have to respect. It's very right. exciting. Yeah. Um, will you keep the office at Western Sydney University um, if you are elected or are you thinking of moving somewhere more central in Richmond or Windsor? You know, that's a choice for Parliament. They actually choose the site of a Member of Parliament's office. And I'm not really um, busy uh, worrying about the wallpaper or the curtains in an office. You know, I see as a candidate my role is importantly listening to people about real issues for them. It's not about where I'm going to hang my hat. And it's also being accessible to people. So uh, in my style of, of leadership, I actually like to go out and meet with the people on their territory, at their site. Um, uh, I got a very good example of that last week. I went to the Lower Portland Ferry Forum that was mm. being held. Yep. And uh, I'd like to maybe just touch on that for the moment if I mm-hmm. can. Um, unless you actually get out there and listen to the people all of them collectively, you don't actually get a feel for what the problems are. And that's been one of my strengths as a councillor for 11 years in the Hillshire Council, actually understanding what's wrong by getting out there and walking around. So I've actually connected with some of the people who were in that meeting um, last week and I said to them, look, um, take me for a ride. Um, so let me look out at your problem from your eyes. So I'm actually going out on Sunday morning with um, some locals from both sides of the river and we're going to drive around and just see how important it is to keep that uh, Lower Portland Ferry operating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been operating since around about 1892 mm. and councils have always funded that. I know the Hillshire Council has forecasts for the next 10 years funding for that project and every time it's come to council for a vote, I've always supported it and I always will. Great. Well, I think that answers yeah. our question. I know that Karen, one of our readers, wanted to know if you supported the continuation of the Lower Portland Ferry. So, Karen, I hope that that answers your question there. Um, let's let's move right along then. So you say um, when you were announcing that you were actually going, that you'd been pre-selected by the Liberal Party, you say you want to get even more things done for the community with better infrastructure, local services and transport. So where do, what do you see as improvements you could bring to all three of these areas? Where are we lacking in infrastructure, local services and transport? Where, where do you see us lacking in those? Look, you've only got to drive around at about three o'clock after school hour um, down at uh, Windsor. Absolutely. And you just see the queues of people patiently waiting to try and cross the the bridge at Windsor. And also, look, I went out um, uh, to Richmond, North Wichram Crossing out there, Mm -hmm. and I was taking photos of the traffic. I wanted to actually, you know, Mm. see what was going on there. And I'm walking up and down. It was about 4.30, 5 o'clock at night at Richmond. And they said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm actually taking photos. I want to see what, you know, the, the traffic for myself. Mm. And they said, well, look, let's let's get a bridge happening, another bridge. And I said, well, actually, we've just um, allocated $25 million for the Third it's River crossing. crossing. Now, um, that's going to take some time and we want to get community consultation on this. I don't want um, a suggested route put out there and then everyone has to scramble and say no don't put it there Mm -hmm. so if i'm elected i see my role as the advocate for the people here i'd actually want to go out and talk to the locals before the bureaucrats go out there and just pit their brain i mean they're locals that cross that river every single day they sit in the traffic they pick their kids up they come home from their day's work as a tradie 
they want to get home faster to, to sit down at the meal table and enjoy the family time. And they're being robbed of that at the moment. So let's look at the best possible route at that third river crossing and where it should go. So nothing's locked in yet, but there's an opportunity for me to be that local voice for people. And I want to get out there and talk to them locally, stand around the areas, walk around the road areas, look at the best possible um, suggested areas there. And then let's uh, encapsulate that and put it out on public exhibition and call for comment. Do we know how long that consultation period would go for? Is it a little bit too early to say just yet? Um, look, uh, normally it's a 40-day um, period that right. they put it out on consultation. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage everyone to – I mean, people are already looking now. Mm. Some people already say – they come to me and say, look, I know where it should be. And I say, right, let's have a look at that. Um, so nothing's locked in. Mm. There will be a, a decent period of consultation time. And I'm just mindful that there's Chinese whispers that go out there to say this is where the bridge... Nothing has been locked in yet. I want to make that very clear mm. and there's an opportunity for everyone out there to have a say. I think that once something gets going, particularly on social media, everybody tends to jump on it. There's and an assumption. That's right. And, and can I just say nothing has been decided and we're open to public comment. Great. Fantastic. So you've nominated health, aged care and respite services as three things you're going to work hard on. What specifically would you like to see delivered to the Hawkesbury area in terms of, of these three issues? Um, I think particularly respite care. That's a really interesting I'm glad you, you, you actually earmarked that. Look, we have an ageing population in Hawkesbury. Absolutely. I don't know whether it's the water here, but people live longer. We're just in the also healthy. That's uh, right. It must <laughs> be. I don't know, but it's good, clean living. Yes. And so, an important thing is to make sure people have that independence as they age. I know my mum is home at ninety. She's doing her own shopping, cooking, wow. cleaning. Yeah. She drives a car still. A lot of people, people prefer it too. They want that, mm. and they don't want to be. Um, removed from their home that they've perhaps known for many, many decades. Mm. They've raised children there. Uh, you know, they've lived there as a child themselves. It's home. There's history. Mm. And and why shouldn't they have that independence and a government should support them remaining there? So I think that's really important. As I talk to uh, the elderly, a respite is a real uh, area that's lacking here. There are limited spaces for respite. So I think we need to look at how we do that. I'd love to look at um, perhaps a centre of excellence for dementia care. I was just going to bring up dementia yeah. care and dementia respite because that is because we are tending to live longer yeah. and there's, there's you know it's hard for particularly if you're elderly oh. caring for a partner it's hard to to have that respite when you're when you're caring for someone. So would you look at perhaps trying to increase dementia services around? The totally hospital? agree. Mm. I, I just think it's an area where. Um, it's, and it's not just Hawkesbury. Mm. It, you, you've got surrounding um, electorates as well mm. uh, where, look, you, you move into an area and you, you bring your children up there and you want to you actually stay there forever. So I think it's important that we uh, offer that independence and that help and support for carers in particular. I mean, a government can't do everything without the support of volunteers and carers. They play a very big role in the successful... Um, uh, opportunities that people have to stay in their area. So I think we need to encourage that. I, I really like – that's an area that I'm very passionate about and I'd like to look further into. I think too, you know, talking about the roles of carers and volunteers, at the end of the day – it's going to be, you know, costing taxpayers less for people to stay in the homes where they want to stay um, and, and be cared for and perhaps set up a respite service rather than, than anything else. So it's, it is an important service. I think so. And look, there are people that have elderly 
mums and dads and, and family. And for them, it's a big issue as well because they still want to be independent and work themselves, but they still feel a responsibility to care for their loved ones. So we have to help in that way as well. Absolutely. You say that you want to see our region's local character is respected. Uh, what exactly do you mean by that? I know that groups like CORB have criticised the state government for assisting in what they say is the erosion of the area's character in the past, for example, down at the Windsor Bridge. What do you mean when you say you want the region's local character to be respected? Look, it's all very well saying that, but I think you have to demonstrate how you believe that. And I'll give you an example of what I've advocated in my role as a, a local councillor. Uh, there's um, seniors living that has crept into rural landscapes in the hills and also Hornsby Council as well. The problem is land is cheaper when it's on acreage for an applicant to come in and develop. There has been a, um, a legislation that was brought in about 16, 18 years ago when Frank Sartor was the planning minister and it gave developers an opportunity to come in and, and buy rural lands, put seniors' housing on it, carve it up into, say, 125 square metre size building blocks. Since we're talking the over 55 Absolutely, yeah. yep. And, and they can actually do that legally and then either side of them there's acreage. They can actually acquire that acreage. They can purchase it. They don't have to go through council to get it approved and rezoned. They don't have to go through state government laws to get it rezoned. So this is a real flaw in the whole planning process. So I moved a motion in council and we've actually pushed it through to um, the planning minister in state government to prevent that from happening further on. It's a bad legislation. It needs to change. Um, we had one um, uh, applicant that went to the Land and Environment Court uh, about this and they actually lost. So I'm really pleased to say that we had a big win that way. So that's about protecting our rural landscape and not cluttering it with um, a legislation that can actually approve massive in, intense densification mm. of an area that's totally inappropriate. Mm. I mean, we've really got to protect our rural landscape. And that's something that Hawkesbury has. It's it's a picture postcard here. Mm. And I think I'm very passionate about protecting that. It's Go also, on. and I think we've been discussing this before on the podcast as well, it's a food bowl. Oh, and totally. It's, it's important the closest that. food bowl mm. you'll get to, to Sydney. Mm. And we've got to protect that as well. So, uh, you know, I see the rural landscape as something that we should cover and, and look after. Mm. And, and also you've got the history here and the historical buildings as well. And can I say from a Corb's uh, perspective, um, I have um, met and engaged with them on, on many different levels and they respectfully showed me around the site around the Windsor Bridge area recently. Um, and Which I, is important yeah, because absolutely. a lot of the time when these stories go up on, on Facebook and every people aren't very respectful to each other. No. So I think that it's good for the two sides to get together and discuss something respectfully. I think that we really should point that out at this stage I, I think so too. Mm. Um, and look, I was able to walk around and, and hear what, what they felt was important to them. And look, this is a democracy. They have a right to that opinion. I guess at the end of the day, you had a Land and Environment Court ruling, though, that said that the state government was within its rights to do that project. And anyone who goes down there now will see that that project is well and truly on its way. Mm, absolutely. And I've got people that um, I talk to that just want a solution to their traffic problems. And I think that's what Windsor Bridge does now. Still respecting Corb's position on that, but at the end of the day, we have a job to do. We have to build the bridge and get that happening. Right. Um, over recent months... Pill testing has become a contentious issue in New South Wales 
And with so many people from the Hawkesbury, especially young people, attending festivals, what is your stance on the whole pill testing? Uh, Look, I agree with the Premier's stance on this. I'm not supporting pill testing. At the end of the day, we've got to protect our our families, our children, and I think the way to do that myself, and, and the Premier thinks this as well, and expert panels have advised us that pill testing isn't working, but... I think good education at a very early age and getting kids to understand that it's important to protect your body, to look after yourself. Uh, It's important to have festivals. I think they drive a lot of the economy as well and provide tourism and, and, you know, great memories uh, out there for for kids as well and families. And we've got some good festivals that we run in Hawkesbury. They're not the ones we're targeting. It's it's the ones that are high risk that we're targeting there. Um, But... Wouldn't having something like pill testing actually provide almost more reach for the government as you could have signs that clearly say don't do drugs on the tent? You're inter- when you go in, you will be interacting with a prof- medical professional who could specifically say my biggest recommendation, no matter what is in the drug, is to not take this, like absolutely stay away from it. Also, wouldn't it be providing an alternative message to that drugs are harmful, but it also provides young people with the ability that they can make rational decision making which is often not a strong point of decision makers in this country and in the state wouldn't you say that in that case that there would be more to do with um, harm minimization than the criminality of it look i hear i hear your comments and and there are opinions out there like that at the end of the day though it starts back at i think the way people feel about drugs and whether it is acceptable to take it. You, you even mentioned um, that advice might be given that this drug is harmful, um, you know, take it at your risk. Uh, we've got to pull right back from that. I, I don't believe that's the way forward. Expert panels have not advised us to do that. I hear it's an opinion, uh, but it's not the, the, the way I, I think but we should we, go we've forward We've seen the same sort of work happen in other countries and, for example, Portugal have have one where they do have uh, when they go to into the festivals there is absolute non-stop signage of do not do drugs at all but they also do have pill testing and it has seen it has worked there is a lot less serious drug related incidents at music festivals in Portugal than there are even in Australia and we have less festivals yeah, look, uh, no, I still stand my ground on this. I think the best way forward is is early education with kids. Uh, there may be those that want to try that. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you could take this uh, on another angle as well with um, alcohol. Do you have a separate lane on the road for drink drivers so that they can drive there? I mean, how far do you take this? At the end of the day, you have to make a choice whether you agree with pill testing or not. I don't agree with okay. that. Um Recently, just like last week, last weekend, um, one of the New South Wales music festivals, it's been around for, this would have been its sixth year, mm-hmm. Mountain Sounds Festival up at the Central Coast had to cancel due to the amount of restrictions that have been put on them for this year. The most recent one being they were a week out from the festival were being asked to pay an extra $200,000 to pay for the 40, 40, I think it's 40, sorry, let me just get numbers right. 45 user pay police on a 24-hour cycle, even though they were initially quoted to have only have 11, the same as last year, even with less attendance. 
So that's, that's an interesting point. So why should the taxpayer pick up the bill for something like this, which is high risk, you run the, 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 the massive worry of a mum and dad not knowing whether their child's going to come back to them safe and sound. I just think these are high risk uh, types of events and, and the but owner shouldn't be on the taxpayer to cover the cost to have 45 extra police on, on guard to look Wales, at this. But the, the thing is, is that those that payment was only recently given to the festival organisers. They had also already put in so many other harm minimisation tactics, including lowering the amount of people that they were going... Uh, amount of, sorry, lowering the amount of attendance. They cancelled over 20 acts to make it a smaller area um, to fit with the already the already strict guidelines that they have. Not only that, it's a festival that doesn't have a large amount of major drug issues, even minor drug issues. It had only 49 drug detections over the last over two days of operation last year, which is 0.3 out of 16,000 attendance, 0.3% of their attendance. See, I've got to say I have a zero tolerance to drugs. So I hear what you're saying, but you're not going to sway my opinion on that. No, no. So. It's, uh, but it's, just, it's good that we're having this conversation. Yes, that, that's, because, that's the biggest thing yeah, is I want it to be a conversation absolutely. over no, this is it. It yeah. should be a conversation. Yeah. And so we have to look going forward. I mean, that, that um, festival's been running for, what, six years or so? This, this yeah, this would have been And, and so now, all of a sudden, there are much more rigid um, um, enforcements mm. being recommended. And, and so we then identify... Because we've had these deaths, I mean, it's it's tragic to think that we have this, but kids are going to probably experiment different times of of their life. Um, We actually have to wind it right back and get kids to think very differently about what they do at these these, uh, festivals. And and look, I respect your opinion there, but my stance is is with the Premier. One thing with... um just the Hawks, bring it back to the Hawkesbury, with mm. something like the Hawkesbury show, there is at times, like it's a much smaller scale event, it's much more local and it's not music, but it is still a large public event that people do, young people do often go to and do the incorrect things, be drunk, do drugs, stuff like that. It's is, not are seen we as going a high to, risk it isn't, a, it isn't the same sort of high risk, but are we going to then see, are there going to be higher enforcement and restrictions put on any event or is it just... Music festivals. It's, it it's the music festivals that are high risk. That's what they're looking at. The, right. Look, I, so I, yeah, it's yeah. just just the high. Just, risk. Just Absolutely. High risk. Um, yeah. yeah, I love the show. Love going. <laughs> yeah. And we had our uh, yeah, citizen absolutely. of the year, Ross, yeah. who who was uh, anointed. Uh, they do a great job there, and it's it's all volunteers. So mm-hmm. you know, we have a good community in Hawkesbury. We've got to make sure our kids grow up and become great volunteers as well. Absolutely. Well, well there's a few questions from our readers um, to get to still. Jeff asks, "What are your policies on further development west of the river?" Look, I think I talked about uh, what talked, I... touched on it, yeah, yeah. With, the, with the over yeah. over 55s and, yeah. and maintaining the rural character. But, you know, do you, do you have sort of an idea of... Because, you know, over there there's a lot of people saying, um, you know, there's less emergency services, you know, it's, it's harder to get over, all that kind of thing. There's, there's and and that's all there. the more reason why we need a third river crossing as well. Mm. I think mm. that's, you know, that will open up a lot of opportunities there. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, what we have in Hawkesbury is quite unique and I think we have to protect that. And so it's not just about what I believe, it's about what the community believes and I'm their advocate then. So, you know, if Jeff, Jeff has a particular um, opinion, I want to hear about that. I, I want to know about what others believe we should be doing because if I'm elected, I'm the 
eyes and the ears and the voice of the people. It's not just about what Robin Preston believes in. It's about what the community wants me as a whole to advocate for. And I'm very good at advocating for things I'm passionate about. He, had, he also asked if you supported the duplication of the North Richmond Bridge on Bell's line. Um, I think that we've sort of touched on... I think we have. Yeah. And look, it's scary to say the duplication. Mm. That's yes, a hard word that's to say. That's a hard word to say. But, you, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to get a third river third crossing. Third crossing. And, and we don't know where it's see. going just Yeah, yet. that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And okay. I'd love Jeff's input on that too. Yeah, absolutely. I'd invite that. The Oakville Vineyard Action Group uh, against the M9 has stated Hills Council was frustrated by the announcement that the M9 Outer Sydney Orbital was truncated at Richmond Road and it stated the council was keen to lock in the future corridor. Do you plan to push through this corridor if you're the local member? Look, and I want to uh, put on the record a correction there because um, I actually moved a motion that it doesn't go through. We supported the state government stance and Dominic Perrottet's stance, so that's on the record. Mm -hmm. Um, I said I think it was a road to nowhere because there was nowhere else that it was identifying. Mm. Uh, It's not going to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. It stops at Richmond Road. And that's it. It's a little bit like, if I can give an analogy, um, with the M7 starting and stopping at just outside of Norwest Boulevard. Yes. There is no plans for to plough through Norwest Boulevard in future. You have to have an on and off ramp for these types of corridors and, and, and major infrastructure, and that's where it would start at Richmond Road. So no plans at all. I want to make that very clear. Great. Well, I hope we've made that clear for, for that group. Um, We touched on this as well last week um, on land acquisition and and discussing things like the Bells Line of Road, Castlereagh connection. Um, Our reader Jackie's pointed out a few problems with land acquisition legislation in New South Wales. She actually had a property in that that corridor and I'll I'll just read a a little bit of what she said. That's in the corridor that was announced. That's correct, that's been been now removed. Um, She said, we were stunned to find out that the government is able to gazette private land and effectively freeze that land for an indefinite period of time with no immediate necessity for them to purchase it. Under the current legislation, the owner of the gazetted land can only approach the government to buy under the hardship rules. However, there's no guarantee that they'll purchase your property. Would you support something like a, a, a royal commission into a land acquisition or have another look at these at this legislation because of, of these kind of problems for people like Jackie? It's not until you actually experience it personally that you get to understand different legislations and whether you feel it's right or wrong. And Jackie's just um, really highlighted that in what she's talked about. I'd be happy to talk to her one-on-one about a better way forward on it. Mm-hmm. For me, a Royal Commission, I think, is probably a pretty extreme way to go. Um, but, you know, oftentimes it's on merit that you have to advocate for good outcomes. So I'd invite Jackie, if I was the um, successful candidate, to sit down with me and have a conversation on a way forward on, on improving. On how it can yeah, be Yeah, absolutely. Sure. But she's highlighted something that she feels is wrong. Mm. And I'm happy to, to sit down and listen to her further and push for something that's a better outcome and see if she's happy with it. Great. Our reader Janelle has focused on Western Sydney Airport. Do you support it? Do you support it without a flight cap or a curfew? And do you support the federal government's approval of the airport before the flight plans have been declared, the flight flight paths, sorry, have been declared? Where do you stand on those? Look, I'm pretty black and white on this, Mm. and that's that's Robin Preston. I I have an opinion and and, uh, I can be swayed, I suppose, but generally it's what the community typically want. 
I'm supporting the airport. I think it's a good thing. It'll drive uh, new jobs. It'll create uh, opportunities for uh, infrastructure. And when you have infrastructure, you have jobs and people working locally. Uh, You think of an airport and the sorts of people that are employed at an airport and the neighbouring spin-offs from that. So I think it's a good thing. Um, You'll also get a lot of connectivity um, with rail as well and and better access on roads. So I am supportive of it. I I see the spin-offs of announcing an airport and what the opportunity for that general community is. At the end of the day, you want to have local jobs for local people rather than people having to travel right into the CBD, uh, out from Hawkesbury or Nepean, any of those surrounding areas. What about the, the flight caps and, and curfews? Would you, if you were approached by you know members of the community saying they're worried about the fact that badgeries will be 24-7, what would your view on that be? Would you be lobbying I'd want to ask see... the questions on behalf of the people that are wanting to know that. Absolutely, because sure. that's my role. If I was successful, I'm there for the people. I'm not there to dictate to them um, what's happening. It's about me asking questions on behalf of the community I represent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've talked about the um, – Karen wanted to know about the continual lower, pe- lower Portland ferry service, so but we've th- talked about that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Michael wants to know if what you can do to restore respect for the political system in New South Wales. Which is an interesting question. Yeah. It's, yeah. Which, yeah, look, um, it's about being more of who I am. Um, in my current role uh, for 11 years on council – I've actually gained the respect of the constituents I look after there. In the last two council elections, um, the ward that I represent got 70.71% and 70.65% respectively of the vote. Now, you don't get that unless you earn the respect of the people that you represent. And I work mighty hard for my people out there. Uh, They're 20% of the Greater Hawkesbury State electorate seat as well. So I've already got that representation there. You know, that's why I go out to the community meetings. That's why I go to the Progress Association meetings. I was at one um, on Monday night. Um, I'm everywhere that I should be, and that's what a local member should be. Uh, it's important to be out there and engage with the community. I'm chair of the Bushfire Management Committee, so I deal a lot with the Rural Fire Service as well, have the greatest respect for those volunteers. So it's about um, doing your job and earning that respect from people, and I think uh, I've earned that over the last 11 years, and I want to take that experience and knowledge into this role at a state level. Do you think that there has been... Uh, I mean, we've watched federally what's been happening with both major parties, Um you know, do you think that there has been there's a little bit of disillusionment, disillusion in the community? With... Oh, I, I understand that totally. Mm. I'd be foolish if I didn't think that. And you know, you have to learn from that. You have to learn from other people's mistakes. And uh, I've been able to stand back and watch over the years what's done well and what hasn't worked. And hopefully, I've clocked up enough miles to to actually put that in into action as so a, a local if, member. If you were the state member here, we could see you out and about amongst the community, Always. talking to people. Always, mm-hmm. that's that's what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. We asked um, MJ last week, the the independent for Hawkesbury, a similar question to this. Um, but our reader Judy has asked if, as an elected community representative, you could how would you represent the views of the wider community when you personally don't support something? Um, for example, uh, marriage equality. You know, you, you'll have the community saying one thing, um, you may not personally agree with it. How do you balance that? 
Look, I didn't support the same-sex marriage vote. I'm upfront with that. But this is a democracy that we live in and I respect the outcome of that vote and uh, that's, that's how it is. So that's fine. I mean, some of my best friends are gay. I don't draw a line in the sand. I'm there to represent everybody, all walks of life in the community, no matter who they are. They have a right to come to their local member and feel as though they can trust uh, the opportunity to talk to them openly about an issue and that they know that they'll champion it for them. And if they, look, can I just say, um, having worked uh, in the Hawkesbury electorate office, you get to engage with uh, different ministers and understand parliament and how it works as well. And I think that's a real advantage over any other candidate that I do understand the machinations and how things work. How the wheels turn. So I would sit down with a constituent and I would talk to them about, okay, this is a way forward, this is how we might make a ministerial representation, knowing that it will take, and I step them through the process. Can I give you an example with Ebenezer Public School and the lollipop supervisor that yes. we've been advocating for? And you did a story on that just recently. That's right. um, I then went to them to give them an understanding of okay, we've now committed as an election uh, promise to deliver that to Ebenezer School and St Monica's School in the Hawkesbury electorate as well. So they need to understand though, it's not going to happen tomorrow. You have an election to go through, there's a budget that's announced in June. And then from there, it's uh, a matter of recruiting, uh, going through police records checks for successful people as well. And as I stepped them through that process, they understood that that lollipop supervisor for Ebenezer Public School would probably be there in term three of this year. So let's let's just clarify, you actually helped lobby the school get changes to the legislation, which stated that... Um, at certain times, you must have this many cars. It was ridiculous. Using, yeah, so I know. basically, the, the the good change was that these two schools now fit in within A the criteria. legislation. Yes, so that they can actually, in the future, get a lollipop person to. Yeah, yeah. and and the criteria was was silly in that it said, oh, you have to have, say, thirty crossings of children. Uh, one way and then the other way as well, well. unsupervised. Mm. So put it this way, if a bus pulls over on one side of the road going that way and drops off, they cross over to the school. But let's say the bus pulls over on the same side of the school. They don't have to cross over the pedestrian crossing in the afternoon. So they weren't getting up the numbers to qualify and I think the parents as well I was talking to some of the parents and they were saying well parents won't let their kids cross unsupervised because it's really dangerous I know so So look but in the end I think a lot of people came together I I take my hat off to the PNC and the principal there Um, they did a great job in advocating and they got our attention and and that's what drives change. Mm. I think it's important. to I think you went down there a couple of times. I have. I've been there several times. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Okay. Well, look, that's about all we have time for today. Robin Preston, Liberal Party candidate for the Hawkesbury, thank you very much for coming in and sharing your views with us today. Thank you for your time. Finn, thank you very much. You were you were advocating there for a little while. It's, you know, he's oh, a tough a questioner, bit. Robin. You've, you've really got to watch He's him. good. Yeah, he's not bad. Let me he's just learn how it goes. Yeah, no, he's it. good. Yeah. Well, you're the voice of the youth. I That's like his, that. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, try he's, to be. He's a young person. We like young people. Okay, well, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us today. We'll be back next week. And we'll be speaking with Labor Party candidate Peter Reynolds next week. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you soon.